Beerman? Bowser. We have lift off this time. Wonderful. Yes. I'm going to sit still today, too. I'm not going to drive. Um, what, <laughs> part of, what part of the world are you in? Uh, I'm at home. Oh, good. Welcome back. Thank you. Welcome back. So um, this week, the, uh, the topic, I don't know if you had a chance to review the, uh, in much detail the, uh, the, the note I sent uh, on Monday, but it's uh, trust which is really Mm -hmm. interesting um, because it sounds so simple and yet it's so complicated. Um, There's so many components to it. And I'm just going to launch with what I was with, with what I was experiencing, if that's okay. Sure. Um, I was pondering the trust as it relates to new clients that really don't know me yet. Um, and then I was thinking about trust with people that do know me very well. And as I was contemplating this, I was thinking one of the best ways for me to build trust with uh, a client is for me to give them some wisdom or insight that might result in them saying something like, well, that's a good point. I never thought of that. And so again, trying to establish trust with somebody that doesn't know me to provide them wisdom or insight that results in them saying, that's a good point. I never thought of it, especially if it doesn't have a monetary benefit for me. Right. So if I'm talking about a bathroom uh, space and I'm talking about nooks and niches um, and I'm giving them some wisdom or insight, I don't make money to sell tile or niches or nooks so insight that gives the 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 um, the client the customer value that does not result in monetary gain for me seems to be one very tactical thing that i can do to build trust mm-hmm. and then just jumping into the employee side or people that are in my charge whether they're employees or not just somebody that people that i am leading them um it seems like the the areas that I'm consistent, um, because if, if you know I'm consistently calling you every, uh, which I screwed this up obviously, if I if I am consistently calling you every Wednesday morning at eight forty, then you start to have trust in me that I'm going to call at eight forty. But if I'm inconsistent, then you lack trust, and so. It's really, you know, as many of these topics are for me, Paul, it's really convicting um, that the areas that that I'm dissatisfied with people in my charge, their lack of trust in me, I'm realizing that, well, the reason they don't trust me in that area is because I'm inconsistent. Mm. So anyway, just real quick, excuse me, perspective from a client standpoint and a perspective from somebody in your charge. I'm done. I'm done with my rant. Um, so what, what say you, how's, how's this topic, uh, affected or influenced you this week? Interestingly, the topic of trust tends to bring to mind for me, the five dysfunctions of a team because of Mm. trust, trust being the foundational piece that everything else relies on. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I've been kind of focused lately on trying to get my team more comfortable with feedback and more comfortable with productive conflict. Mm. So I don't really love to use the word conflict, but um, 
I think that's the way it feels to people. So uh, it's um, it's difficult when people won't speak up or won't give feedback. Am I accurate to assume that then I haven't established enough trust with them for them to feel comfortable and safe doing that? And so when I saw trust, that really uh, popped into my head. And I think uh, if someone wants to call themselves a leader, then um, one of the attributes, in my opinion, at this point in my life anyway, uh, of a leader is someone who's willing to always look in the mirror first. So if something, mm-hmm. if trust doesn't exist, is it, am I, if I consider myself a leader, um, am I willing to look in the mirror first and say, if the trust doesn't exist, I do, what have I done? What am I not doing to create that trust or establish that trust? So the lack of conflict uh, or the lack of people willing to speak up, speak their minds and disagree with me or someone else is mm-hmm. that what, a, what am I missing? So the, I get the convicting part that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. completely. Uh, well, and for your, for yourself, knowing you as well as I know you, I think the, I think looking at yourself first, that self-awareness, um, for a, for a, for a healthy leader, for a, a healthy person or a healthy leader, I think that introspective, that self-awareness is right on. I mean, you, you look at yourself first, you take responsibility for it. Why are, why are your guys not giving you feedback? Look at yourself first. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's profound. Yes. Yeah. And I think certainly your, your second point about consistency is, uh, is a spot on as well, because, um, trust is something that we lay down a little bit at a time. You can't go buy it. You can't create mm. it in one day. You mm. can't do something once and people mm-hmm. magically trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that you earn through consistent performance day after mm-hmm. day after day. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think sometimes we get frustrated as leaders too because we want things to move a lot quicker. Well, we always, I always want things to move faster than they do. And trust is just one of those things like planting a garden. You yeah. can walk by it every day and watch it grow. Yeah. But you can't go out there and scream, yell, more water isn't yeah. necessarily going to make it go faster. So, so how does that work for yourself as a uh, – the you've had success in, in construction. You've had success in coaching. And how do you, how do you navigate the um, – how do you navigate the, the initial inquiry with a prospective client? So if it's a prospective remodeling con, uh, client or a prospective coaching client um, where they don't know you, they don't trust you yet. And the, um, w- as you become aware that the, cu- the prospective customer doesn't trust you, Paul, um, what is, what, what's some of the intentional things that you do, um, in the beginning to start to build trust when they're not even a customer yet, they're a potential customer. Well, you sort of touched on it a little bit earlier. I think it comes down to establishing that you're not, you don't only have self-interest and that's customers have to understand that we quote unquote, get them right. That we're listening to them that we care about their outcomes, uh, not about our own. As, as, a, as a construction business, 
um, a prospect has to understand that we understand their situation that they're in, mm-hmm. that we've sort mm-hmm. of been there before, uh, and that we're there to help them solve the issue, not just to make a buck from mm-hmm. them. And that takes time, but it, you start off right away by being more interested in them and talking more about them and their their problem to solve. Because frankly, uh, what's the old saying? If there's no problem to solve, there's no business. Sure. So uh, we have to understand what their problem is to solve before we can start telling them uh, how good we are at solving problems. Because yeah. that I, I always uh, remember Chris Taylor saying when you, if you would, or he said something like this, but it, it would feel really odd if you walked in your doctor's office and the doctor got out his prescription pad, started writing you a prescription without even talking to you. Mm-hmm. And they're prescribing a medication for an ailment that they don't even know exists or, or what the problem is. And so I think too often in sales, we as companies and salespeople, we go into people and say, hey, look at all this cool stuff that we have and look what we can do before mm-hmm. we ever even find out if the customer needs what we have if we're even a good fit for them Mm -hmm. and when you really think about that that's a pretty arrogant place for us to be sure and one one where the customer might go well that's great that you have that but don't you even care what's Mm -hmm. wrong with me don't you Mm -hmm. care what i need Mm -hmm. and i think when it comes to coaching it's the same way uh it's the same thing The, the client has to understand that a you get me you've sort of walked a mile in my shoes and B, you're interested in me and my solutions, not, yeah. not telling me how smart you are or all the things that you can do. That, that's, again, simplicity of outcome. Like you just said, I heard you say a couple times, uh, outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I believe, as, as a potential customer of yours, if I believe that you understand my desired outcome, like... Mm-hmm. He really understands what outcome I'm after, whether it's coaching or construction. Um, if, if, if I believe that Paul really understands the outcome, that's a, that's a first, I don't know if it's the first step, but that's a component of trust for sure. Then the, then the next piece is, um, and I don't, I don't, these might be interchangeable. Like, the, the, the second piece might be, do I believe that you can execute that outcome? So it's, it's one thing to know. It's one thing for you to know the outcome. It's, it's a whole nother thing for you to be able to execute it. So I may, I may believe that you completely understand the outcome that I want, but I don't believe that you could deliver the outcome. Then there would be, you could say that you haven't earned the trust then, right? You haven't earned the trust. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, hey, hey, everybody, I totally believe that Paul completely understands the desired outcome I have. I also don't have any trust that he could deliver the outcome that right. I want. He understands right. it, but I don't think he can deliver it. Right. So those right. are, those are, those are two interesting pieces. If, if, if I heard about your reputation, of execution in, in remodeling before I sat down with you, I would, I could potentially trust completely that Bowser construction could deliver the remodeling project, um, with a high level of execution. What I don't trust is 
what I don't trust yet is that you know the outcome that I want. So Correct. that's that's mm-hmm. really that's really interesting. And that's what um, that's what makes a referral so powerful, right? Because the yeah. friend says they they got me, they listened to me, and they got the outcome. So mm-hmm. it, there's a certain amount of trust that's sort of baked into that relationship before it even starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really that's that's what makes that so powerful Mm -hmm. there it's interesting that there are things like and you saw in the in the um nkba uh sales qualification workshop that i led there there was a lot of emotion and a lot of feeling around discussing budgets with clients Mm -hmm. and and internally when we talk about it uh when debbie and i talk about it we intentionally craft a conversation that puts that conversation, puts that topic at the end of the conversation. And we specifically do that because, A, we need information to be able to know whether or not the budget is realistic. But two, as I always tell Debbie, we haven't earned the right to ask that question yet. We have to spend time, uh, and sometimes it can be an hour of conversation exploring their needs and their desires and then getting comfortable with us. Mm-hmm. And at some point in there, we've, in a sh- fairly short amount of time, we've hopefully earned the right to ask that question. And therefore the prospect is open and receptive to discussing Mm -hmm. the issue. What are some indicators that you or Debbie would use to know if now's a good time to, 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 to bring in the budget piece? It's interesting. If you watch for the indicators, the prospect typically will start to bring it up themselves in in sort of roundabout ways. Um, I can almost always find something they said to segue to that question because they're for, concerned about a, it yeah give me a for instance so they might they might bring up i'd like to do x y and z but i don't know if that fits in the budget so that's a pretty blatant one yeah but that that's something that comes out fairly often where yeah. they'll say make a comment like that and a lot of times if i feel it's too early in the conversation i haven't earned enough trust yet i'll just query about what it was they were talking about Mm-hmm. and go a little deeper with them and continue speaking. And then towards, mm-hmm. once I feel like I've reached a point where I've gathered what I need and they're starting to feel comfortable about why I'm asking the questions I'm asking and why, then I describe why I need to know what the budget is, how it benefits them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'll refer back to something they said and said, so, you know, you talked about this, if it fits the budget, let's mm-hmm. talk about what that budget actually is so that we can start to decide mm-hmm. what does fit in that. And we can help guide you to a design mm-hmm. that fits your budget. Once they understand why we're asking the question, then they trust that we're asking it in good faith and not just to make sure we spend all their money. Sure. It, I, I, there's cert, when you're, you're talking, there's certain things that are popping in my head. The, the one statement from Covey that, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And yeah. that's, that's one of the challenges uh, in the initial phase of client acquisition is that you're trying to figure out how do I spend what amount of time do I need to spend with them that they know I actually care and where it's, mm-hmm. it's not a waste of their time and it's not a waste of your time, mm-hmm. which is really difficult to discern, especially if you're busy, right? If, if yeah. you're, if you're busy, which, you know, the market's so, uh, I don't I don't know if artificially strong is the, the market's so strong that it makes you, it makes me look a lot better than I actually am. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and so when you're busy, then the first thing that goes, unfortunately, is the relational piece and you go transactional, right? 
like, you know, Hey, before I come over, do you realize this is going to be 50 grand? You're right. looking at 50 grand and it's going to, and, and I'm not going to be able to get to you to sep- till September. Um, as opposed to amount of arrogance that sets in, isn't there? Sure is. <laughs> and, and, and yet in fairness, if I'm the prospective client, I would, I, I do want to know that info because I don't want to, I don't want to waste your time coming over to my house and spending two hours with me to mm-hmm. building a relationship when it's not even practical. I can't, I don't have access to 50 grand. Like mm-hmm. I can, it's going to cost 50 grand. Well, that's, I, I could, I could know you like you trust you. I just don't have access to 50 grand. So it seems mm-hmm. like some of that up front, some of that vetting, I don't know if that's the right word for this, but some of that um, qualifying is important before you figure out how much time you're going to invest in this relationship. Yeah, that's right. Boy, that's tough. That's right. But it is a relationship of trust. And it's, it's a little scary when you read the uh, statistics about how quickly we as human beings oh. make, make assumptions on first impressions. I yeah. Mean, you, you could almost say as soon as they open the door and say hello – you may have won or lost the sale, yeah, <laughs> which is a little depressing at times. But mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, and it and it's uh, it certainly can you can see how it certainly drives some people to very superficial tactics to try to use in sales. But I don't believe those work either, simply because uh, I mean they work to a certain extent, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, not if you're looking to build a long-term customer, which you and Learning Glass, you're looking, you're not looking for somebody to buy one door one enclosure from you you want them to buy the next 150 from you and so you're not looking to get a customer you're looking to get a client you're looking to get someone who over and over and over buys from you because they mm-hmm. the trust builds deeper and deeper mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting i always think too you mentioned stephen covey and i remember him talking about the emotional bank account i can't remember which book that's in but he talks about putting deposits in an emotional bank account with people. And that really is building trust. You make deposits with people. Uh, so for instance, you and I have a long, long-standing friendship. Uh, I could violate your trust and our friendship would endure that violation because we have enough 